0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Financial Community Podcast. I'm Chris Vileschi, your host, partner, and wealth advisor here at Morton Wealth. In this episode, I talk to Brian Sanning about many things regarding the Secure Act 2.0. There's so many things on this list that transpire over the next five to seven years. We only took a few that happen now and in the next couple of years. So let's get started. Brian, thank you for joining
1: us. My
0: pleasure. This is exciting. First time. Yeah, the first time. And might not be
1: invited back. I want to be your new law correspondent.
0: Okay. Well,
1: when, when stuff changes, I want to come in
0: and talk about it. I'm glad that you're excited about it because <laughs> at the end of last year, at the very last minute, Secure Act 2.0, some really big pieces of legislation got put into play. And there's some timelines where a lot of these phase in. We're not going to hit on all of the different components because some of them don't phase in for a couple of years. But, you know, let's talk about Secure, Secure Act 2.0. Wait, are you saying I memorized a
1: 1,400-page bill for this and we're just going to touch on a couple?
0: Yeah. Pieces? Okay. It, but mainly like pages 1,100 to 1,200 as well. <laughs> it,
1: it, it was ridiculous, yeah. by the way, yeah. that it was dropped at the last minute. Here, Here's all the new laws. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I had to go through it and, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully we can pull out the interesting bits. So from
0: your standpoint, Secure Act 2.0... like. High level, what is it and what are some of the key pieces that that, that kind of got put into play? Uh, I mean,
1: high level, it's hard for me to just make immediate sense of it. Obviously, we know that the overall goal is encourage retirement. Yeah. That's a good thing. Right. Um, But, you know, as you know, people who need their retirement plans take the money out and they pay the tax and they live their life. People who don't need to take the money out. Well, they get a benefit now that, that we can talk about, which is they don't have to take it out as, as soon, right? They yeah. get to wait. And so they get to save tax money. Yeah. Um, but I, to me, you know, I, I mean, that's good for them. I'm happy for, you know, our clients and others who can delay paying income tax. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the overall goal, I, I don't know how that means our overall
0: goal of helping people retire. Well, what I take away from the high level perspective, some some takeaways is, Um, how it affects clients that have to take a required minimum distribution, people that are saving towards retirement and potentially some additional Roth contribution options for Mm -hmm. them. Um, If you have saved money towards a 529 for your kids, there's potentially a way that you can move monies from that plan into a Roth IRA for them to help sort of jumpstart their um, retirement savings if you don't need to use all of them for college. there's one of the biggest things in there is now employers can actually amend their their plan sponsored 401k or retirement vehicle to allow for um, employer matches to pay off student loans. Like, there's yeah. some interesting components there. Yeah, no, that, that's that's So, there's a, to, there's, a um, there's a lot to um, There's a lot to online.
1: Yeah, and, and we can talk about all of those, any of those, of course, as yeah. we go through this. Yeah. Um, so, um, let's I start think some some interesting some interesting pieces.
0: Let's start with the required minimum distributions. Yeah. So if you were not 72 by December 31st of 2022, you had not already turned 72, your new age for when you have to start taking a little bit of money out, your minimum required distribution from your retirement plans is now age 73. Okay.
1: It, it will be for people who are 64 and older. Yeah. So basically 64 to 72, yeah. as of this year, mm-hmm. then you can wait until you're 73. Okay. So if you turn 72 this year, you would have otherwise taken it. Now you get to wait an extra year. Um, and if you are you know, 64 or above, that will be your age, 73. So you can plan for that. Yeah. And if you're below 64 years old now, then it's 75. So we push it
0: back even more. So I'm horrible with Trying to remember what age i am but i do remember the year that i was born um so if you were born between 1951 and 1959 you have to take required minimum distributions at age 73. if you're 1960 or later it's now age 75 right that sounds right are we we're going to do
1: mental, mental no no i think okay. i think i'm good i yeah. think we both said the same thing two different ways we did
0: that's why i wanted to do it it's perfect one of the other interesting things is oftentimes people forget to take their requirement of distribution, or they've got IRAs at different places, and so they maybe miscalculate or forget to do something. The last few years have been a little bit wacky, because mm-hmm. in 2020, you didn't have to take any requirement of distributions right. at all. Um, now the penalty for not taking the appropriate amount out mm-hmm. has been reduced from 50% down to 25
1: Yeah, so I mean, 50 was was pretty harsh, yeah. right, to miss a distribution. Um, and there was no, like good faith exception. It wasn't like, you know, we didn't do this on purpose, you know, so I didn't get a specific notice, and so can we get a break, it was 50%. Yeah. Now it's 25, but even better, if it wasn't intentional, you can show that there was some issue and you sort of timely make it back up, it's 10%. Yeah. So that's that's a lot more reasonable.
0: That That is reasonable, and I think that that some people will like that. Um, so the biggest takeaways from there is that, you know, your required minimum distribution age may have changed, few years ago, it was age 70 and a half. It got pushed as age 72. Now it's potentially age 73 or age 75. Um, and then the penalties for not taking your required minimum distribution has been reduced. Let's talk about 529 plans and some of the changes there. You want to kind of, you know, talk high level about that?
1: Sure. Sure. So uh, a lot of our clients,
0: um, a lot of people
1: who have children and grandchildren want to contribute to education for family members, right? And a common way to do that is through these 529, you know, educational accounts. And the, the purpose there is you make a transfer to this account and while the assets are within this 529, there's no, there's no tax, right? Income, growth, it can grow, there's no tax on the account. And ultimately you can use that money for all, almost all levels of school. This could be primary, could be secondary, college, graduate, you can use it for any kind of school. And if you use it for qualified school expenses, you don't pay that built-in income tax, right? Which is really nice. Yeah. So that's kind of the background, and it's it's very important for a lot of our clients. What may happen is we have a child, a grandchild, someone who maybe they have a full ride. It gets paid, um, or they don't go to college, or whatever the case is, and we have these monies sitting in a 529, and if we just pull them out now, we're gonna pay all the tax, right? right? Um, Penalty. So, our goal with this new law is to sort of look at do we have 529s that are unused? And rather than paying a penalty or trying to just hold them for the next generation and hope we use them, yeah. you can roll a certain amount of that money to the beneficiary's Roth IRA. Yeah. So, in other words, give them a jump start with a Roth IRA because they didn't need their educational funds. There's right. some limitations we can talk about. But that's the yeah, big so, picture. Some key, key points <laughs> to
0: that. It's like, this doesn't start until 2024. Right. The maximum amount that you can move over in a given year is up to $6,500 or whatever the annual contribution to a Roth IRA is. Mm-hmm. That cap is at... $35,000 35,
1: total. total
0: right? right. And And there's some timing, right? You
1: can't put a... Bunch of money into a 529 and then next year say, all right, roll it into my, my child's right. Roth It's got to be
0: in there for what it proposed right now is what, five years? So the,
1: the money that you roll over has to be in there for five years, yeah. but the account has to exist for 15 years. 15 years. And so what we're looking at is potentially opening accounts. if Whether we think we're going to do this or not do this, we can open the account, throw a dollar in there, mm-hmm. something, right? Mm-hmm. Now it has this, the seasoning period. It just has to be open. Yeah. We still have to worry about the five years of putting the money in, but at least we can do the 15-year
0: easily if we just open 529s for the kids. What's going to prevent high earners from opening up 529 plans for their spouses? Say you're 45 years old and you open up a 529 plan for your spouse, you put... $10,000 Ten thousand dollars in it, and over the next fifteen years, it grows from ten thousand to thirty-five thousand, mm-hmm. and then you can move that into a Roth IRA. What's, what's going to prevent people from doing that themselves? Um, nothing specifically in the Good. law. So there's some unique strategies right. that you can it, you can
1: take. It, it in. There's even a question which is not addressed, which is, well, the time is about the account being open, not about the beneficiary. Yeah. So what if you have this five twenty nine for a beneficiary you don't want that person to have? a Roth. You just change the beneficiary on the 529, and the next day, roll it into that person's Roth. What about making yourself the beneficiary, and now you add to your Roth, who knows? Um, We'll see, and this is what happens when you pass a lot of new provisions all at once. Um, um, They don't think through all the iterations. What
0: was it, 1,500 pages there towards the end of the year that you read through the entire thing, right?
1: Oh, yeah. 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 my, My family, we like to gather around the tree in the holidays and look at the budget for the upcoming year um and see like who's naughty and who's nice Uh,
0: it's fun i do love gray area though because i think from a planning perspective the gray area is where we get to have a lot of fun and look at some ways that we can add value to clients lives whether it's proactively or reactively maybe you've got kids that are now in their mid to late 20s and they've already gone to school and they just have some leftover dollars in their 529 Mm -hmm. plan there are some really cool things that we can we can do yeah
1: Yeah, no, I I think it's a good change. I I think anytime we can encourage both education and potentially retirement savings at the same time, um, it's a win
0: for us. Um, Some other things that don't start until 2024 is that if you've been saving into your employer-sponsored 401k or 403b and you're you're contributing to the Roth option Mm -hmm. and you are subject to required minimum distributions, you no longer have to roll that money over to an IRA to avoid required minimum distributions, you can leave them in the employer-sponsored plan, That that that's changed too?
1: Right. I mean, yeah, re- remember, I mean, the whole goal with that Roth is you don't have to take it out, yeah. right? Um, and if you don't, it can grow tax-free. And so the, the challenge was if you had the Roth plus a regular plan, yeah. as soon as the RMBs come in on your regular plan, it was like, okay, you also have to take out the Roth. And like, well, I don't want to take out the Roth. Right. And yeah, you would have to take it out, and put it in an IRA if you could, and so now you don't have to worry about that extra complication. Yeah. Um, you know, there's still maybe other planning opportunities to discuss, but um, that's kind of a nice, um, uh, you know, benefit.
0: Yeah, everybody's situation is different. We we need to make decisions based on that. But uh, one other thing that sort of starts in 2024 qualified charitable distribution. So people taking part of their required minimum distribution. And instead of receiving that and spending that, they make a do- donation directly to a charity, mm-hmm. and allows them to avoid having to realize that income. Right. That limit was set at a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars for the year. Yeah. But some changes to that number.
1: Yeah. So it's it, they're just indexing it. So uh, effectively, a hundred, but the value. So it kind of increases over time. Obviously, over the many years this has been in existence, a hundred thousand is not what it used to be. And so this just starting now, we're going to scale it up with the cost of living. Um, so, you know, if that's the right move for a client, we can do a little bit more every year
0: Yeah, on the charitable. So we've spoken about a lot. We've spoken about changes in, in ages for required minimum distributions. Talked about a 529 plan, to Roth strategy. Um a little bit uh, with regards to qualified charitable distributions. What are some other things that kind of caught your eye with regards to Secure Act 2.0?
1: Yeah, I think, I think you mentioned at the beginning, one of the interesting things is with respect to contributions to a plan for, for younger yeah. individuals who have a student loan, yeah. the, the challenge is your, your employer says, look, we'll match your contribution. Well, you can't make one because by the time you pay the rent and you you know pay off your student loans and your car and whatever else you've got you're not making a contribution, right? And so the employer now, um, starting in a couple of years, would be able to say, okay, you've made X dollars toward your student loans. We'll match that. So we can, as an employer now, put in some money for you. So you're getting some retirement planning along the way. Um, I think that will be
0: attractive to a lot of, People coming out um, earlier in their careers, yeah. who need to do this but but have loans. I think it'll be really interesting. I, I assume a lot of employers will adopt something like this or amend their plan documents to, to yeah. account for this. It's still subject to certain vesting requirements and other things, so you know we'll have to have to pay attention to that. One other change um, that, that looked like was employers being able to match contributions add to either the student loans or even to, to the Roth portion mm-hmm. of somebody's retirement plan. Right now, if I'm contributing to the Roth 401k, my employer contribution goes to the pre-tax, but Secure Act 2.0 changes that. Yeah. And if I'm contributing to the Roth, the employer match can go into the Roth portion as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. there's kind of a, a theme just when you go through all of it of this sort of like Rothification is yeah. what they call it. Like They really like that. I mean, part of that may be just... When they're putting these budgets together, they also need to show revenue coming in, right? You can't just spend money; you have to also have to bring it in first, yeah. more or less. And so, this encouraging Roth is encouraging people potentially to pay their taxes now rather than later, so they have revenue. Yeah.
0: So, for, just to recap, um, for those of the those of our listeners that, that aren't fully aware, a Roth component of a four hundred and one k or an IRA all that means is you're paying the taxes today. For the benefit of allowing that money to grow for many many years, and then later on in retirement, when you take that money out, you don't have to pay the taxes. Um, so by being able to make these changes and show adequate value right away, they're able to say, "Hey, we made these changes, and guess what? Our tax revenues went up, and so right. we've got a balanced budget." And they can, they can, they can justify. Yeah, exactly right. right. Um, and then um, to answer your previous question, the, the
1: other thing I would mention is that. The, um, the rules around inheriting retirement plans, yeah. those were complicated before any of the Secure Acts. They were supercharged complication after the Secure Act a couple years ago, and now we've just added more complexity without any news clarification. And so the bottom line is, if, if you were to inherit uh, a retirement plan, you you probably need some advice on what to do with that. Um, there are new options for spouses that were recently put in here. And the, the easiest way to explain it is that if you had a younger deceased spouse, in other words, the younger spouse dies, there's more option now for them to delay taking the money out and paying the tax. The person who inherited The person who inherited the older spouse. Um, before, there was this weird math we had to do where you could wait until your spouse would have been 72, but then you have to take it out faster. Yeah. Now you get to wait until your spouse would have been seventy. Well, now three or five, and take it out slower. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. Um, so that's new. And then the the disappointing thing for me is we have beneficiaries who are non-spouse beneficiaries, and so as many people may know, we, we're dealing with this ten-year rule, which is the time for which the money must come out and the taxes are paid, and we got no new guidance for a beneficiary on how fast they need to take it out. Do they need to take it out at all? Do they need to wait until year 10 and then they can take it all out? We don't really know. Um, uh, my, My best reading for now, and this is subject to everyone's specific circumstances, is that if the person who you receive the inherited IRA from, if they were taking distributions, we've got to do it over 10 years. Right and there's a weird formula. It's not exactly, you know, equal. (laughs) Right. If they hadn't started taking it, you have until ten years. In other words, you can keep it in there, take it out as you want. It just all has to come out. This is to be determined to keep you guys updated on this craziness,
0: Um, but it's it's complicated. Again, I love gray area, but at the end of the day, um, some major changes and some things to be planning for, especially starting in 2020 for for many of our clients or kids that have 529s or whatever Um, so i encourage everybody to uh, reach out to their advisor schedule some time to talk to them to see how you know inheriting an ira or retirement account may affect you what it means with regards to retired minimum required minimum distributions and then some potential saving opportunities um, if you've got 529s or if you're still saving towards retirement have student loans or have kids or grandkids that are doing that um, Brian, thank you so much for, for joining us today. And You're welcome. To I hope we do it again. You. Of course. Thank you for joining us. And we hope this episode has provided you with a roadmap to feel more confident as an investor. To receive notifications for our weekly episodes, email commute at mortonwealth.com. Until next week.